You're listening to the Blender Institute podcast. It's brought to you by the Blender Cloud. Have you developed a chronic feature addiction? Get your fix on the cloud. Go to cloud.blender.org. Joining us today is Sergei Sharbin. Hey. Sibren Stuben. Hello. Mike Irvin. Good afternoon. Dalai Felinto. Ooh. And I'm Healthy Alveson, who but who cares because I won't be here. And here's your host, Francesco! Okay, good. Hello. <laughs> Hello, Hello Francesco. everyone. Welcome to the Blender Institute podcast number 40 Ooh. with uh, lots of uh, new guests, as, uh, as you might have heard. So we are going to uh, talk with them uh, very soon. Let's just uh, run very quickly through community news, studio news and development news. And then we actually are going to talk about hot development topics that nobody knows about. I just invited the guys here. They all happen to be Blender developers or Blender Cloud developers. And they have no idea what they're getting into. And just no, yeah. So it's gonna be a surprise. Okay, so uh, let's just go quickly through the community news. Uh, there are some uh, new job posts on the Blender network. There is a, a modeling a position for uh, Seek.com. It's a VR uh, company. Then there is a, a Blender team. A VFX team is uh, like a whole team is uh, being uh, requested for an agency work in Paris. So apparently it's quite hard to find like whole teams that do VFX work for advertising and stuff like that. So if you know of people that do this kind of stuff. So Sebastian is around. Yeah, if you can uh, drop by the agency in Paris, that would be cool because it has to be done in-house. So you have to go there physically to do it. Yeah, he he, he goes with Paris like every single day for going from office to home. Perfect. Cool. So that's uh, that's gonna be um, it. The the uh, the offer is uh, out there on the Blender network. And then finally, there is a full time Python development position uh, open in Vienna for uh, Arc Sanima. It's uh, um, connected with Blender, so it's an add-on and pipeline development. is a is a studio that does uh, animation uh, with Blender as well. So all the details you can find them on blender.network.org/jobs. Um, other news for uh, the Blender project is the Blender conference is in almost one month. We are mm-hmm. getting there. The countdown is going to start soon. And the first version of the schedule has been announced. And uh, it's looking quite uh, quite cool. Are there any tickets left? There are very few tickets left. And uh, there is the dinner uh, that is basically sold out. Yeah. So, But the conference, there are still some seats. Yeah. So, are you guys going to be at the Blender conference? Of course. No. Yes. Hopefully, depends on things. Right. Why are you not going to be in the conference, Sergey? Mm, I don't know. You're going to hide during the conference? Yeah. Oh, okay. So, everyone, everyone just to some code. It's like a treasure hunt. So, the person who manages to find you in Amsterdam, then they win. <laughs> oh, <something>. yeah, right. <laughs> they get to ask for a feature or something like that. Yeah, maybe. <laughs> <laughs> you can look into that. <laughs> okay. And, uh, Speaking of uh, Blender Conference, the Susanna Awards uh, uh, 2016 that happened during the Blender Conference has also been announced. And the uh, deadline for submission is the 19th or the 16th of October. Uh, I think it's the 16th. And so if you have uh, uh, great animation, animated content or VFX content produced with Blender, please submit it. Go to blender.org slash conference and uh, you will find the link for the Susanna Awards. Uh, this year, we've done a couple of changes because uh, we are uh, introducing a new category, VFX, and uh, we are uh, replacing the uh, animation category. So animation is just not an option anymore, but is uh, VFX, uh, design, and short film. 
And the second big change that we do is that those uh, categories are not to be chosen upon submission of your entry, but they're actually chosen by the uh, during the review mm. of the of the submission. So you get nominated for it. It basically works like in the Oscar. You just submit your film and then mm. someone uh, decides to put it in a category rather than another. So this simplifies things a lot because in the past we always had this uh, thing that people were submitting something for animation. It was just so great design that they actually really should have done it for design. Or it was a short or like it was a short, but it was really more of an art piece design. So you have to move stuff around. So we just try to solve this problem like this. Isn't because there a limit on the amount of, of submissions? You can submit as many things as you want. Okay. Yeah. And uh, so far we have, I think, uh, 20, 30 submissions, so it's uh, quite popular. And uh, voting for the submissions will indeed start uh, in the 16th of October, uh, when we get closer to the conference, so that the, by the time of the conference we're going to announce the nominations. The nominations are going to be five films per category, so a total of 15 films that will be screened during the Susanna Awards screening on the, second day, on the first day of the Blender conference. And uh, the attendees of the conference will be given a paper and they will be able to vote for the winner. And so on the second day of the conference, in the evening, the, the winner of each category will be announced and they will receive glory, honors and awards and uh, stuff. So that's um, how it works. All right, then... Uh, that's uh, something, uh, yeah, and there is, of course, this year something also quite new from the past that we made the uh, sponsorship process for the Blender Conference a bit more formal. So it has been, it is possible for uh, companies and organizations to sponsor the Blender uh, Conference. And we've been getting some uh, uh, very nice uh, support grants to make the event even better, to provide better streaming, to provide better recording, to give uh, maybe t-shirts to everyone and, uh, you know, things like that. And uh, the list of sponsors will be announced soon as well. Okay, so that is uh, pretty much it for the community news. And uh, we go to the studio news here in the Blender Institute. As uh, I mentioned, we have some guests that are here silently listening to me. <laughs> you speak of no bricks at all. It's yeah. hard to interpret. Yeah. <laughs> and uh, so we are going to talk about that very soon because there is a lot of cool stuff uh, coming for Blender development and connected with what we do here in the studio. But uh, last week, we visited Rotterdam, the Strips Museum. I wrote a little blog post about it. And it was really fun to see... Uh, uh, Martin Lodeweig, the author of the Agent 327 comic book, to give us a tour and talk to us about the story of uh, his life and the work that he did and uh, all the so all that. Yeah. So with the story question, yeah. where is the blog? The blog is on the cloud. Oh, okay. It's the cloudofblender.org uh, slash uh, uh, pagent327 slash blog because it's the blog of the Agent 327 project. Okay. Yeah. So people can find uh, everything we do there. And uh, for example, there will be an article about Dalai and Mike dropping by in the studio to do their thing. So we always try to keep people up to date with what happens in the studio as well, not just the project. That's why I took the pictures today. Yeah, exactly. We took a beautiful picture of Dalai, his best portrait yet. And uh, you will be able to see it very soon. Probably Yeah, by the time the podcast is out, the portrait will be there. So yeah, brace yourself. Um, <laughs> all right, so then uh, there has uh, been uh, some work being done on uh, Attract and uh, our uh, pipeline tools, mostly by Sibran and Pablo. I am just sitting around looking them, uh, looking at them work, and it's, uh, <laughs> <laughs> it's really great. They, they're doing awesome stuff. So 
maybe then, uh, yeah, even later on, we can talk about that. Yeah. And uh, personally, I've been working together with uh, with the guys and with Sibren, of course, uh, on a linking tool for uh, facilitating the the work that uh, some workflows that we have during the uh, the making of the agent. So something that allows us to uh, work with sets. So you define a set like the barbershop with some items inside, chairs, trunks, and the stools and whatever. And then with a the click of a button, you can instance all that stuff inside of a of a shot scene. And uh, that's uh, coming along. We work with uh, basing some of our work on the reference desk add-on by Basan Kurdali from the Tube project. And we added some functionality there. So we hope to be able to use it like this week already and see how it goes. And if it goes well, we will publish more news about it. Cool. And uh, finally, for studio news, besides uh, Dalai, uh, almost attached to, with Dalai, uh, Avive uh, came. Uh, gently sponsored by Sketchfab. <laughs> well, of course, Mike is here too, but is <laughs> <laughs> uh, the you know like you are the VR toolkit uh, expert. So there was this big box with oh, the, yeah, with the Vive the inside, okay. yeah, and uh, you plugged it in and uh, made magic, and it was very cool. So we can and it's going to be in the conference and then play the conference. Yeah, exactly. So it was very very exciting. Like we, oh, everybody here was trying, you know how the experience is and seeing Blender in, uh, in the Vive in VR and uh, trying, I don't know, Tilt Brush and all those things. And so, the Sketchfab app as well, which is a sponsor for yeah, Vive. Yeah, exactly. So that was, uh, that was very cool. And you can tell us all about it because now we talk about Blender development. And uh, Blender development, um, just a couple of quick uh, notes. There is a viewport sprint coming very soon in two days, and that is... One of the reasons, yeah, it, well, it's tomorrow, right? Yeah, tomorrow. And uh, uh, that's the reason why uh, both Mike and uh, Dalai are also here. We will be joined, hopefully, by other developers. Well, Sergey as well. Si Sergey is so silent that, uh, you know, it's like when we were doing the, the, the weekly last week, and Tom was like, where is Sergey? And you were sitting next to him. You remember? <laughs> like a ninja. Yeah. Mm -hmm. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah, that was, uh, that was fun. And um, in uh, November, at the end of November, there is going to be a UI sprint as well. Three days of UI sprint. It has been announced on the uh, Blender mailing list uh, with uh, many people from the community, developers and users uh, to talk about the future of the Blender UI and finishing the spec of the UI and all those hot topics, switching to default uh, left click and things like that. Oh, finally. Yeah. <laughs> so, yeah, that's... Browser as well. Yeah. <laughs> And then also we are all sitting here and there is one thing that is not happening because we are all sitting here, which is the Blender 278 release. Yes. <laughs> the more we talk, the less it happens. Yes, exactly. <laughs> so we've been just about to, to, to hold the, the build for, for, the, for the release, but then we noticed some regression reported to the bug tracker. Oh. So yeah, there is some last minute regressions to be fixed. Mm-hmm. So Bastian works on this right now and probably it's already fixed and he waits for me to go and backport it and do a whole and we are stuck here to do the, the podcast. So, so great. Yeah. Sergey loves the podcast. Oh, yeah. I, I, I love all sorts of meetings. Right? <laughs> <Exactly>. <laughs> like gatherings of people, they are like Sergey's thing. There is a group with more than three people, he jumps right in. No, even even if like two people or yeah, also, one people. Yeah. Also, there is one person, good. Group Just one. walk yeah. around. Group of one. Yeah. Yeah, and um, so but hopefully today or tomorrow morning it will be a void, and then like one day later it will be all the bills, and then we just go live. 
fantastic. Right. There, there is a bit of latency with RC three or with the final twenty seven eight. It's final. Wow. It's final, mm -hmm. final, wow, and wow. no A allowed. So sounds hopefully sounds serious. All yeah. right, <laughs> well, we do serious business here, you know. Yeah, or try it, try to at least. Yeah. <laughs> Cool. Well, then uh, we look forward uh, to that because we've been anticipating this for weeks. So yeah, it's talking for quite some time now. Yeah. Great. Awesome. All right. So let's uh, get uh, to it. We have here the, our new guests, Mike and I. So I would like for you guys to introduce yourself and say what you've been working on uh, in the past, uh, like what brought you to Blender in less than one hour each. And uh, and also what you are doing right now, what you are going to do in the short term future, you can do it at the same time. Like you both speak oh, at the same time, and nobody. Stereo, stereo separation, yeah. <laughs> no, okay. So first, Mike. All right. Uh, hello, uh, Mike Irwin. I came to Blender Development in 2010 as part of the Google Summer of Code. Uh, I basically went, I was already using it for some architectural projects and things like that in college, and. I went to SIGGRAPH 2009 and saw a preview of, of the 2.5, and I was like, oh, this is awesome. Oh, wait a second. I know how to code. Let me get involved <laughs> with this. And so the next summer, uh, summer of code came up. I, I said, I want to work with Blender. I'm not sure exactly what, because I, I hadn't done development there yet. And I ended up working on the uh, 3D mouse code. So I implemented the whole 3D mouse, 3D connection, um, or in, in degrees of freedom navigation stuff. And I did that for a couple of years. And since then, just on and off, uh, working with Blender for various companies or in different things. What I'm doing now is uh, the viewport, the 3D viewport, uh, OpenGL systems, um, things like that. Yeah, so we're doing a big, basically overhauling the whole stuff for 2.8, which will come out eventually. <laughs> and uh, it was a good opportunity to uh, kind of go back and do some things right. Cool. So that sounds... Sounds great. So you have, we have another architect here in the house. Yeah, I was going to say I have almost the same background in him. Mm -hmm. Same story. So actually, well, I did study architecture and urban studies at home in Rio. Oh, the life into here. Hi. Hi. <laughs> and then it was back in 2008. I wanted to go to Canada to study English and, you know, get some break from school, from university. And I was involved into science communication and started using the Blender game engine more seriously and starting to face some of the Blender bugs and having to fix them myself. And that's kind of how I got into, into coding, for Blender at least. I think my first coding book was Java when I was 12 years old. Jesus. So sorry. <laughs> uh, and, I, and I think that was pretty much 2008. And then I kept doing more things. At the end of 2008, I got a job to do a, the full DOM support for the Blender game engine. It was for a client in Montreal. And then I think one, le one thing led to the other. I, st I started doing small things. And recently, we have uh, I finished the Multiview project. Well, not so recently, but still. And we have a lot of work on VR. So with Sergey, we have been pushing some for panorama st uh, stereo rendering. And I have the whole VR add-on that works thanks to a VR lab in Rio, the IMPA and VisGraph. And I think that's, that's all. And what else? Well, yeah, what are you going to do now? So why did you come here? And uh, what is your short-term plan with Blender? All right. Um, basically, for the Blender 2.78, we require a lot of coordination between the core development, the artists in the studio, the artists out there, which are also using Blender. Which is a few of them, I heard. Yeah. 
And then since I have this mixed background from art and technology, do some coding myself and try to address problems for specific clients, Tony invited me over for this sprint, which we're going to have, you're having throughout these days. And if everything goes well, I don't know if I would like to announce this before I have you know, visa and work things sorted <laughs> out. But let's just say I plan to get involved for the, for the medium to long term on the 278 project. Helping bring it together the big the well the big picture the vision that Tom's bringing to the table mm-hmm. with our you know task force and artists very cool so well let's uh, talk a little bit more than about this uh, viewport so I am here in the room with all you smart developer guys so that I can try to ask uh, human questions so <laughs> for example you know the the viewport project that you I've seen. Uh, Dalai and Mike and uh, Sergey sit around the table for a few times already discussing stuff. Yeah. So I I I heard uh, I heard things. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so all the, all the rumors. Yeah, exactly. I heard lots of rumors. Like uh, the blend, new Blender UI is not gonna have buttons anymore. <laughs> it's gonna be like the iPhone eight. No no buttons. Yeah, that, that's true. That's yeah. perfect. <laughs> so. Um, yeah, so what are you besides that? No, that... it will have home button. Will it? Okay. So... And a refresh button. <laughs> <laughs> okay, cool. So, but besides those buttons, um, what is the short-term plans? Because I know you guys are trying to come up with an attack plan because it's a very big project. But uh, what is, what is going to happen like next week? Is something going to happen next week? Probably yes, yes. <laughs> we, sh- we should get well. Maybe maybe Mike can explain some of his, you know, groundwork. But probably next week we're gonna have an announcement mm-hmm. for other developers to join the the project. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. Because um, tomorrow we're meeting with some people. Some people are coming in that are more on the high end rendering side, uh, PBR materials and rendering um, in the viewport for real time stuff. Um, and so before we have a chance to talk to them, we can't see a lot about that. Of course. But um, but after tomorrow, we shall know more. <laughs> and uh, So evasive. <laughs> <laughs> cool, cool. Okay. Yeah. Okay. But, uh, but next week, uh, one thing that's happening is I'm going back to the United States of America, mm-hmm. and I will continue coding from my home okay. instead of this wonderful institute here in uh, Amsterdam. Okay. Oh, no. We can just chain it here to the, to the chair. So. <laughs> ah. You just need to take his passport. I think that's all. Oh, okay. <laughs> that's easy. Yeah. <laughs> okay. And um, what about uh, Sergey? Are you going to be directly involved in the viewport project? Or well, not directly, or? But, but Mike is already pushing me like real hard. Hey, yeah, where do I store the data? Where can I store something? Give me something to store. Good. <laughs> yeah, yeah, Good. because it sounds like a lot of the um, system level stuff is kind of rearranging too, yeah. uh, independently of how it's going to be shown on screen. And so all that needs to work together. Yeah, because we are still having plan to 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 go more traded and prepare everything to to be node based and decouple some stuff so we can have a cultivated feature like local group offset and decoupled frames on different windows. Mm-hmm. And for that, we would need to sort to have some sort of duplication system, like duplication of the data. Yeah, like, like ideally copy and write stuff to to save memory, but can start simple. And because of that, it we it, it becomes less clear. Where we can store runtime data, like who owns it, who who how do we access this? Uh, there are st- 
some ideas, like some general ideas, how, how can we do it easier? Like, like so it doesn't frustrate everyone who, who, who is getting into the development. But the, the final design of how it's all going to join together is still to be done. Mm-hmm. Francesco still wants a big announcement. Do you? Which announcement? I don't know. Some announcement of what's going to be. We, ah, we can still tell some of the We can, we, we the can make picture. something up. No, no, no. Come on. We, we still know what we want for, for 2.78. That's actually what... 2.8. 2.8, yeah. That's one thing I wanted to actually ask because this is very interesting because it gives an idea to people listening of how how detailed and how really the foundation has to be laid to to bring this uh, new viewport uh, uh, around. But what is what are going to be the main goals of the viewport itself? For example, it has to be better than the current viewport. Yes. <laughs> yes. What does it mean? Okay, uh, well, better in that sense, uh, a big thing I'm looking at is responsiveness. Mm-hmm. And so whether, you're, whether your scene is set as it is and you're not manipulating it or editing it, and you're just doing a walkthrough or a fly-through or just you know changing what you're looking at, that needs to be super smooth. Um, another thing is while you're editing things, that has to be really low latency and because you want basically immediate feedback on things. And so that's mm-hmm. definitely some of the uh, some of the goals are time related mm-hmm. and just getting things there as soon as possible on screen from you know from your hand. Okay. And but that's only part of the picture. Yeah. We want to take the chance since you're doing a, a big refactor to try to think about the viewport differently. Because right now what we have is a bunch of drawing modes. You know, we all know the texture mode, the solid mode, wireframe, and then you have texture uh, options on top of it, such as AO, uh, depth of depth field, of field yeah. shadeless, uh, mocap. And this is all fine, and it's been serving Blender quite well. But then we'd, li- would re- we'd like to consider how we can think the viewport to be more task-oriented. So if you're doing sculpting, Maybe want to see the the maybe just want to see your character with a nice cavity shader, or if you're doing uh, just working with materials, maybe you want to see a whole scene with a solid AO, just a great scale, and your main character in full PBR fancy shader. Mm-hmm. But it really depends what you do and what you want to do. It can actually provide a more customized uh, setup for you. So this kind of how we enter. So think if you want just to do some compositing, maybe you can just see all the objects with different colored code, mm-hmm. no materials, and, and going on. Yeah. So for the user, basically, yeah, it's just enhancing enhancing the experience and tailoring it better to the kind of workflow that it's going to do. Yeah. And also, as Mike was saying, is achieving this through a very low-level restructuring, so relying on more modern OpenGL, mm-hmm. potentially relying on upcoming OpenGL or Vulkan related. Yes, all those. Yeah, all those things. And working very well both on uh, AMD and NVIDIA cards. It and, shouldn't really and matter. And Intel <laughs> cards. Yeah. So everything should work on everything. Yeah. Okay. Maybe maybe we should mention also that one of our goals, and that's why we're having Lubos and Clement uh, here on, on uh, tomorrow, mm-hmm. is to better integrate the Blender viewport with external engines. So think about people working with Epic Unreal Engine or Unity or Armory or yeah, another exactly. engine. People want to be able to work in Blender, have a better preview of their shaders, and then when they're, they're in their native engine, it's everything just looks alike or mm-hmm. yeah, looks good enough. That so that's matter. one of her pillars, I would say. Yeah, yeah. So in the viewport, making it look like it's going to look at, at your final, um, whatever you're targeting, whether that's Cycles or whether that's Unreal Engine. Um, another part of this, uh, not 
strictly viewport related, but 2.8 related, is definitely um, working with these external engines uh, to actually get your materials and export them over. And I'm not promising that anytime soon, mm. but uh, that is the ultimate goal, is to make something for another engine that looks nice in the viewport. And also when you're done, you just save it out and it works. So because it's a shader, so it would actually save the shader itself or instructions to build the shader, and then you can import those instructions into a game engine, for example, and the shaders can be built again. Um, so that's the idea? That, that's the idea. Okay. Implementation to be determined. Okay. Okay. Yeah. So that is, uh, well, sounds very, very cool. So what about the game engine? Is that also going Bam. to use that oh, no. new viewport? Oh, no. Or is it going to be kicked out? Or mm. something else? Well, that's really depending on the talk we have tomorrow, Lobos. And I well, don't know. Well, we have no answer for that. But ideally, the Blender Gaming Engine, the Blender Render, and Internal Render, could all, could, they could all be designed the way Cycles was designed, as external models coupled with Blender, and used as a, as a use case for our API. So sure, if you have enough developers to carry on with the Blender Gaming Engine, Maybe can have it on the 2.8, but maybe can also just open up the doors to engines such as Armory or other open source or closed source engines to tap into the viewport in our in Blender pipeline. Note nice. and all that. Nice. Well, one of the ideas is because because with the modern OpenGL there is like nothing in, in Blender internal. What, what we cannot do in the shader. Right. So one of the crazy ideas is okay. So we ditch Blender internal away because it, it, it's actually kind of old code and it's dragging behind and nobody maintains it. But replace it with the, the proper photorealistic viewport thing, which can do exactly the same what Blender internal could do, and maybe even more. And another crazy idea is, is because it would be cool to have some uh, action-based animation anyway. So we have some action nodes in animation. So the, the, then, okay, it's combined with, with the upgraded viewport, all of a sudden it's like kind of a game engine on its own. So it's kind of getting blended into all the ideas, but yeah, it, it, it's all just like some crazy design discussion what, what we can do. So basically what one could expect is uh, introduce maybe node-based scripting into Blender itself combined with the modern viewport, and then you could yeah. almost have yeah, a yeah, game yeah. engine. There. Yeah, it, it, it wouldn't be much worse than the current game engine anyway. <laughs> True. That's not that's unfair. Look at the backtrack. No, but, 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 but I mean, if it's all designed properly, the, the, like for, for the thing which you might use under game engine, it, it would be suitable. If you want some real game thing, it's probably, I don't know. Is there anyone actually using Blender for that? Oh, using Blender Game Engine to design like final game. They do it for some point-and-click games per se, but there's always room for uh, simulators, virtual reality experience, walkthroughs yeah. for architecture. Yeah, but nobody does like some so, some top quality. No, uh, yeah, 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 that's yeah. For for that, probably it's not gonna happen in Blender anytime soon, anyway. Yeah, and another thing that's changed is the uh, the price of AAA engines. Like the barrier to entry is much much lower than it used to be, and so before, you know, if if you were on a tight budget, Blender Game Engine seemed like a good idea for financial reasons. And now, well, Unity or Unreal or Lumberyard or anything, those also make sense now. 
because the the upfront costs yeah. are just not there. There, mm-hmm. there is some open source engine recently appear. Which one? <laughs> you know, the lumber yard. You no. mean now which one? The Cry Engine. Oh yeah, yeah, that, that's yeah. true. Actually, Cry Engine is also itself being uh, mm-hmm. being open source, not just lumber yard. Oh, that's yeah. true. Yeah, it's a, a bit of a strange model because they have. Uh, uh, it's it's out there, but I don't know how like how the sign up process works. So I don't know. I, I checked the GitHub repository with yeah? the code, and it seemed weird. There was a, that, that, I don't know if, he, if they stripped something out of the sources because there is only copyright uh, on, on the top of the of the file and then there is no other comments in the, mm. the code. So you mean like Blender code? I no Blender code. Is, <laughs> Blender code is more weird because it has comments which are outdated and doesn't make sense anymore. But, but they are in, there. They're in Dutch, so everybody can understand it, right? Exactly. <laughs> uh, well, there are a couple of remaining Dutch comments. <laughs> are they? Really? I, I think yeah. there are still some Dutch comments in, ah, in the comments. Campbell so was trying cute. to clean this up. but <laughs> That's so cute. But he, he didn't know how to replace them in English. Or he Google translated them. <laughs> Google translated them. No, I, I mean, you, 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 you can Google translate for Sonic and then you just read the code what it does and then just write proper comment about it. Mm-hmm. Because at some point there was lots of comments which weren't just outdated so the code changed but the comment was never changed yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. that's the blender that's the way comment you know, style yeah my first ever blender bug fix was actually it had this old dutch <laughs> comment on it <laughs> oh. <laughs> and the problem was that the pi instead of being 3.14 was 5.14 it was a typo yeah, on the number, and then the comment would say something which I never understood. <laughs> <laughs> this caused, like, it had repercussions, but you never knew. Like, some things in Blender went broken since then. People are complaining, and nobody knew why. But maybe Netherlands Pi is different. Exactly. Sibran, <laughs> what do you say? Is it 5.14 or? <laughs> yeah, everybody uses that, right? Yeah. yeah. Oh, oh, no. That's, <laughs> that's why you actually have to define it as a number. Instead of using a utility that says what yeah. Pi is, right? Yeah. Compile time because you need to query which region you're compiling in. And yeah. All right. It's part of the locale. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> All right. Right. So one more question in general about the development, because this uh, 2.8 uh, project is not going to be done anytime soon. And uh, also the fact that more and more developers are converging toward this project and more projects for 2.8 gives us an idea that it's very complex to do these big upgrades to a project like Blender. So how do you foresee like the, the time? Like How much time is it going to take to get those things done because we're not talking about days we're not talking about weeks we're talking about months right so just to give us an idea like how and why does it take so much time to get where we want and uh, also how quickly do you expect to get to some milestones to be like okay here is something that looks like a viewport and not uh, a gray beautiful piece of code so what is your like, Mike? What do, what is your forecast, and why? Where do you expect to spend most of your time working? Okay, well, up until this point on this project, I've been uh, working on the base technology, uh, basically how OpenGL is used, uh, upgrading to a new version, and that's coming along nicely. Um, I've been doing this for a couple of months now. Um, I'd like to have something nice to show. It's not going to be anywhere near final or like testable or anything like that for the Blender conference end of next month. Great. 
Um, we're, we're looking at a nice a preview build, maybe not a release of 2.8 in the summer. So summer of 2017. And by summer, he means... Oh, the North, Northern Hemisphere summer. Yes. Thank you. July, <laughs> July or August. We acknowledge the lie in the room. Sorry. Yeah. <laughs> Sorry, our one Southern Hemisphere person. Thanks for representing. Uh, very cool. Um, but yeah, that's where I spend a lot of my time is designing the OpenGL systems and uh, working on some of the stuff for anything that's not really, really pretty in the viewport. Well, it's going to be pretty, but not realistic in the viewport. That's where I spend my time. Mm -hmm. And that. It's being replaced uh, one bit at a time, so not all at once. It's not all going away and coming back bit by bit. And so it's going to remain usable throughout the entire development time, okay. I think. Yeah, and that's a big challenge, of course, because keeping things semi-working and not just wipe everything has advantages and disadvantages. Yeah, it it can slow you down, but at the same time, you manage to have people on board testing stuff. And, uh, right, right, yeah. because, because at least the stuff I'm doing, I'm making big changes in the 2.8 branch, like... It's essentially the new master yeah. for this release. And so Viewport is not the only project that's going to be happening there. Yeah. And so keeping it usable is very important. Yeah. yeah. What about you, Dalai? Uh, I'm distracted because I tweeted this picture here, but tagging the Blender podcast, not yeah. the Institute podcast. Yeah. Now I feel terrible because people know it's <laughs> Like you tagged <laughs> the wrong. Yes, I did. I did. Mm. Anyways, <laughs> that aside, <laughs> yeah. Um, well, sure. We have a again. We're gonna have a better picture next week. Yeah. We're planning after the summit to come up with uh, some design proposal. Roll this by the Blender uh, committee's mailing list. Mm -hmm. Of course, we want to hear even the developers who just can't make here. That's mm -hmm. our way of working. But then we're gonna try to have our deliverables. We're definitely gonna have a, a cycle of development working towards what you're calling MVP, MVPs. Mm -hmm. So trying to have things ready as soon as possible for users to see and so they can feel more relaxed. Okay, things are moving forward. Because mm -hmm. this is at least a one-year-long project. And we can't just say, okay, just trust on us. Just don't bother with Blender development for one year, then magically things happen. No, no. <laughs> so we're... Doesn't work like that. Okay, too bad. Yeah. Well, I, I thought of one more thing to add. Yeah. Uh, as far as overall timeline, like I've, I've got the next six months planned out, essentially, or five or so, but uh, plan to work on this uh, about another year until it's really, really good and solid. And then, um, but uh, pretty soon there's going to be some tasks that uh, basically anybody can help out with. So it's not a, a leave it alone, leave it to the experts or anything like that. There's some, uh, some really good tasks involved in OpenGL, no matter what your level is in development. Um, really soon, actually, that are going to be available. Great. Yeah, so we'll write those up and do a call for help. Awesome. Very cool. Okay, well, then I would like to ask a couple of uh, questions and talk about a different topic with uh, Sergey and Sibran, which are joining us still. You guys are still here, right? We yes. don't do anything together. <laughs> Why would you ask both of us? Well, turns out last week we also had a guest here, Bastian. Bastian. Oh, yeah. It was last week. Time flies. And um, it was uh, also for a little meeting. It was not very widely uh, advertised, but uh, we've been talking about the asset management project, which yeah. is a very big topic. And uh, as uh, all of you hopefully know, uh, Bastian Montagne is one of the other core Blender developers. He doesn't work here at the Blender Institute. He works remotely. Lucky guy. <laughs> 
Sergey loves to work at the Blender Institute. Imagine, Bastien cannot attend the Blender Institute podcast. Maybe he listens to it. Hello, Bastien. Hey, Bastien. Do you actually listen to it? Uh, poke me with, with this word orange in IRC if you, if you listen to, to the podcast. Wow. There you go. So we will find out. Let us know, Sergey. And uh, so he was here last week for a few days to uh, share his uh, latest development work, which, by the way, is uh, all public and documented on developers.blender.org. And um, we were just going over uh, his planning uh, and uh, over the features he already implemented and that are available in the current Blender and looking uh, at the future of uh, what is coming next. And uh, there is plenty of uh, interesting stuff that is coming. And uh, one of, <laughs> so he's looking at me like, what are you talking about? Yeah, tell me more. <laughs> like, for example, one of the one of the topics discussed was uh, uh, the override. Oh yeah. And now, Sergey's sad. <sighs> yeah. So um, one of the main features that Blender uh, doesn't have and that uh, we are planning to introduce for uh, 2.8 is a more robust and powerful override system into Blender. And uh, what does it mean? Well, it's uh, in simplified terms, it means being uh, able to override settings of uh, linked, so uh, content that is linked into a Blend file without actually breaking everything like it uh, can happen now, or actually being able to do it because in some cases now it's not possible. Is that right? Yeah. Awesome. <laughs> I mean, override is something which comes kind of for for free once you once you decouple storage from from the actual DNA thing. Because currently, all, all the modification which is done by by animation system or modifier stack or whatever is being written back to DNA and mm -hmm. DNA stuff, which is actually going to to the blend file. So once you decouple it and and introduce some sort of runtime runtime storage. Then you, you all of a sudden you can have the operation node independency graph, which is called override, and it just operates on a copy of the data and sets on again. Mm -hmm. So then all of a sudden it becomes real easy to to, to support overrides on anything, like at least on the properties. It it, it, it doesn't allow to override some topology stuff, but all all the stuff which is defined by RNA is quite easy to 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 be overwritten. So the material settings and everything. Mm -hmm. Animation data, for example. Yeah, animation data, location, rotation, everything. Mm -hmm. And yeah, so so that's one of the outcomes of going to couple storage and the plant file definition. Yeah, and actually, as far as I know, you're planning to work on this rather soon. Yes. Well, Tom already wants me to to work for this, like for the last three weeks, and it's like, hey, yeah, who works on the release then? Yeah, mm. I see. What? But yeah, that's something you need to, to, to go to the 2.8 branch, drop out all dependency graph. And so I heard rumors about the Blender 2.8 branch that is actually going to become master. Is it true? Well, I don't know. I don't, of course. I don't know. If, if, I will, if I would be branching it, I, I would just create the 2.7 branch mm -hmm. and keep yeah. all the development yeah. in the master because everyone should work on the, on, on the latest. Thing and just bring it further. Has this been discussed on uh, committers? It yeah, was discussed at some point, but, but I think Ton and Brett and then Campbell decided that we should have 2.8 branch instead. Mm -hmm. I don't know why, but... Uh. And maybe now it's time to try again. After the release, bam, everything broken. 
in master because of 2.8 being merged. No hair, no hair yeah. system. Uh, yeah, <laughs> there is no hair in the 2.8 branch. Yeah. So, yeah. But I don't know, like on the other hand, because we have some users who build Blender, mm -hmm. it kind of makes sense to, to, to keep master buildable for them at least, but I don't know. Okay, so that, we will see. We will yeah. see. Okay. I mean, it, it doesn't matter that much which branch it is. It's just like, yeah, if, if all the core developers work in the branch, it's, it's fine. Yeah. Well, I mean, the big question is if you move it to master, are we to keep a 2.7 legacy branch where you're going to have any you know, essential fix ported back? So if you ask me, I would say no, we like all the, all, all the core development should, should stop doing this 2.7 uh, support thing. Because it destructs a lot. Like just doing release, it, it's like like the full day is just gone to nothing, just because of mm. patch reviews, which should go in and then check on the bug tracker and tagging and blah 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 blah. And so I would say that that director developer should, should just go to the 2.8 branch and probably leave the, all the 2.7 stuff to 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 the community. Isn't a bit sad because we just had the Google Summer of Code and you might have a few almost ready projects that could be merged just with a little bit of work. And if that's to wait for the 2.8 cycle, that might be forever. Well, <laughs> they're the. <laughs> like, I'm, I'm speaking as a user, you know, that's. I, I'm trying to. Cut I, the I, I, I mean, if you think a bit deeper about this, okay, so there is a project which was never tested by users. And then we merge it to master, and then all of a sudden we have bug reports in the tracker, and 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 then the the student goes back to to the university, and then all of a sudden his mentor should should work on this, and it's like oh man, he's dragging from the two point development again. In half the cases, the mentor would be Sergey. So, <laughs> well, not half. I I only have two students. Okay. So would be cool if there is someone in, 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 in the community who can pick up the, the review of the of the patches and maintenance and keeping track on the bug tracker. It's it it's not difficult all it's just a bit of time consuming. Yeah. Because currently it's only me and Bastian who, who works on this. And it's actually a great way if you're like a new developer or like you just you're still studying and you wanna like get yourself a little bit into the developer community for Blender. Like to start with these things because if you need help debugging and figuring out things you can get help for sure just drop by an irc and ask but then you you learn a lot it's like the, you almost learn the hard way because debugging a software like blender is never easy i guess no i mean, I, 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 I mean researching the bug is the, is the easiest way to, to get into the software yeah yeah yeah, yeah. So is is a I I understand it's a great yeah. opportunity. Then knowing how to fix it, that's another story. But at least you learn a lot. Yeah. So I, I mean, I mean, figuring out what's wrong, how it for, all works, is, is learning stuff, and then how do we fix? Okay, that's where you you might want to to talk to to someone else in the blender core and ask, hey, who knows this area? I I found this bug, and what's the best way to to fix this? Yeah. So yeah, but yeah, good. So new developers. Uh, just fix all the bugs while Sergey happily codes overrides. That's the plan. Hmm. Well, <laughs> before before coding overrides, we need we, we need to work real hard on the on the design thing. Yeah, of course, of course. That's the hardest thing. Yeah. Well, then uh, also still in the topic of the asset management, Sibren uh, uh, also had quite some time with uh, uh, Bastien to yeah. discuss uh, asset management related topics. Yeah, we've been. Uh working on like low level functionality for a blend file compiler 
So that means we could uh, merge two blend files together or split them up into different files. Um, there's code available that was already used for copy and pasting objects between blend files that can save a single data block with or without dependencies to a blend file. So I've been using that to create functionality to basically save a local object to a blend file, then link it back in, um, which Francesco is now actually using to uh, with Basam's add-on to make this whole set fr framework. So by doing that, I think I was first who used that functionality after uh, Bastian created it. So remapping what, all the users of a data block to use a new thing, uh, reloading libraries, that kind of stuff. So I also managed to find quite a few bugs, which always happens if somebody else starts using your code. Um, yeah, yeah, and you did it a lot at that day where we've been doing Cursey too. Yeah. Just, <laughs> hey, we, we can ahoy. No, 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 you can't have found the bug. <laughs> yeah, and yeah. then another one, and then another one. <laughs> uh, but yeah, in the end, uh, it now works pretty well. Yeah. And we also kicked off a revamp of the pose library. Mm -hmm. So um, I've added already a little thing that uh, for 2.79, or if we don't do 2.79, it will become two uh, eight. Yeah. So seven eight seven B. <laughs> yeah. Like the decimal. Um for reordering poses in a post library. And that made uh, Kelsey very happy. Good. And there is also a post library preview add-on and we're planning on integrating that into Blender itself. Uh with less Python code more properly integrated into Blender. Mm-hmm. And with Bastian's work on the asset engine, we might even have nice panels that show all the previews and maybe you can drag and drop a pose onto a character and do stuff like that. So we have big fancy plans. Right. And for that, is it for that project or for the uh, for the other part that you actually were working on your own, your very own C operator? Yeah, I yeah. made my oh. very first operator in C. Yeah, that was for the reordering of the ah, stuff in right. library. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So because previously you would just have a list of stuff, and yeah. that was it. Yeah. So Kelsey made these beautiful uh, poses and made screenshots of them, and so he had smile one and two, and frown one and two, and 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 other stuff. And then after that list of about fifty poses, he thought, well, I want to add a smile three. And then there was no way to put that below smile one and two. So, yeah, it was a strange limitation because all, all, all our other lists can be ordered. Like materials, you can reorder them. Uh, groups, I think, I don't know, that gets ordered by alphabet or something. Anyway, this was about the only part that you couldn't reorder. So now that works. Good. Yeah. So then and you're going to keep uh, working in this area and uh, hopefully keep polishing the post library, which for you is a great way to get into this, uh, this, yeah. this part of Blender. I've also been using Bastien's code for reloading libraries. Um, so now you can right click in the outliner on something that you linked in, say a material or a mesh. Right click, then choose open in new Blender. Then it starts a new Blender process with the file that contains the thing you linked in. You can edit it, you close that Blender again, and then 
your first Blender will automatically reload the library. Wow, yeah, well, it cool. changes life. Wow. This is something that still needs um, to go through review. So it's not in master yet, but I'm working on it. Very good. Okay, so we are approaching the end of our podcast, but... Yo. <laughs> <laughs> but before we go away, actually, I was... Uh, uh, thinking of a couple of questions to ask uh, you guys since uh, you are you've all been involved with Blender development, uh, just for fun, uh, because Dalai was mentioning his uh, uh, his first uh, uh, your your work with this Dutch uh, comment and uh, you changing something because the, the wrong pi value. So, what was your uh, the first thing you did in Blender as a developer? So for Dalai, I think that was the answer, right? I think I'll try to go back to my blog and remember, but I think that was it. Yeah, okay. What about you, Mike? Uh, my first change to Blender's code was to make the eraser on a Wacom stylus erase wow. <laughs> for the grease pencil strokes. Wow. Yeah. Great. <laughs> awesome. And Sibran? I don't remember exactly what was the first thing, but I became, I got commit right on the Blender repository while I was doing my PhD work. Mm -hmm. um, I added some stuff to the game engine. Yeah, I remember you were doing lots of fixes on the game engine, or at least you were yeah, involved the in... Yeah, fixes and, and added some features because I simply needed it for my crowd simulation. Okay, cool. And then after poking Campbell for every change... Yeah, Campbell some was like, okay, yeah. here it is, <laughs> go for it. I found my real patch, so it's actually, it was something else. It was an option to delete an object in the Blender game engine via Python. Ah, nice. Blender game engine, bringing people together. <laughs> <laughs> cool. And Sergey. So I, I think first patches which I was submitting and which were submitted by Campbell or Brecht were just some compile fixes. First patch which I, I submitted as myself was the constructive modifiers on curves. Because that's, that, that, that's what dragged me into the Blender development. Like I was working on something on my own. And I, like, I need a mirror on the curve. Yeah, I went to, to, to the to the modifier list and I, huh, there is no mirror. Like, uh, why? That's but, why. Yeah, yeah, but why? Uh, you haven't so, made it yet. <laughs> yeah, so I needed to go ahead and make it. Man, so much work. And yeah. Here you are. Okay. I'm working back to that project. Oh, no. <laughs> Blender. Ruining yeah. personal projects for yeah. developers. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Well, yeah, that also brings us to the next questions. What were you using, assuming you were, but I think you all were, because everybody starts as a Blender user. So what were you using Blender for uh, before doing development, Sibran? Oh, I still remember uh, doing a tutorial about creating a dolphin with lattices, I think, from a, <laughs> that from is, a sphere. That's legendary material yeah. from 2.3 or something. That one. Yeah, that, yeah. that was old. Uh, oh. I still remember paying five, whatever the currency was back then. Uh, <laughs> for five of them. Yeah, for Keymap uh, PDF. Wow. Because it was so impossible to use if you didn't know the Keymap. Was uh, it before the European Union? <laughs> no, I think I, uh, I think it was Euros. <laughs> Makes sense. Uh, yeah. But no, my I must have been nagging you guys for a long time because my uh, bug tracker accounted from 2004. Wow. I really don't know what I was nagging about. Yeah. Uh, 
but at the time I was using Lightwave uh, a lot and also switched between Lightwave and Blender, uh, making spaceships and that kind of stuff. Cool. All right. Oh, Mike, you were trying to use Grease Pencil, but no, were you no, using no. Blender before that? No, no, I wasn't trying to use Grease Pencil. I was working on tablet code. Oh, okay. Like okay. That was my summer of code project. Ah, okay. okay. And um, so what I was using Blender for before that was... Uh, Mostly just um, static 3D modeling, architectural stuff, or objects, hard surfaces. And that is still my, my skill set in Blender. As soon as things start moving or animating, I freak out. <laughs> that, that's somebody else's job. I just do, like, models. Let's stay there. So I do modeling. And, uh, I mean, before Blender, it was really uh, some Lightwave, uh, Strata 3D, uh, Pixels 3D, which is a little uh, Mac program from back in the day. But then once I... Once I finally said, okay, Blender is this thing I, I need to actually learn and use, I got the Essential Blender book and used it for a whole project. And I was like, ah, that's much better. <laughs> awesome. Yeah, have a look back. Yeah. Very cool. Very cool. Nalai. Well, I think at that time it was basically the Blender game engine, just using Python and then actually using Blender to modeling, animating, and things like this. But I still use Blender nowadays, like professionally. So some archives, rendering, VR projects, Blender game engine used to some things there, some generalist work. I think we all do, but mm -hmm. yeah, cool. And uh, what is uh, like, you know, it's like those little interviews with the uh, gossip questions because I can't ask anything better, but I think it's very funny because you guys are all here. So what is the feature or the uh, functionality that you implemented in Blender that you're the happiest with so far? You're like, oh man, that was like, I'm really happy I made it and I'm really happy that it's in Blender. So if I may start, I would say it's the navigation. The walking navigation, so the shift F, mm -hmm. because is I think it was probably the first thing I did, which which everyone uses is because okay I did fish eye full dome and VR no one uses that, but then the navigation is something that even I use every single day when I use Blender it's and I think it ended up quite well the the, the result nice cool Mike uh, I mean the biggest thing that I've got in shipping Blender right now is the uh, the 3D mouse, the 3D connection support. Mm -hmm. And it also works with the Shift-F. <laughs> that's the most fun it is to use. You go Shift-F and you use your 3D mouse to just fly through the scene. Ah, and awesome. uh, and I like it because uh, it, it just works. Yeah. Like like I had to do it once several years, like five years ago, and it, it just works. And no bug report. I have no bug report on the <laughs> notification. It's fantastic. Awesome. Yeah. Yeah, that's, uh, yeah, that's a plus. Yeah. Sibran. Yeah, I think it's the it, it will be the soon in oh no wait it is in master because Sergey told me yesterday it was okay to put in master the <laughs> <laughs> just the, the, master the, by yeah. the time you hear it is it's gonna be yeah. it's the the, the video encoding stuff it's oh, been plaguing us so for so nice. long that and templates for presets what uh, is it? well actually I revamped the UI a little bit. I uh, added some options that were missing. I removed some things that were uh, really old. Um, the lie is silently clapping. Thank you. I love it. I should look like this, like this classy people. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, but yeah, one thing is a content a constant rate factor that we now have. So you can set a quality and it FFmpeg will pick the bit rates for you. You awesome. don't have to worry about that. You can just say I want medium quality. Well, there it goes. 
uh, I think that's the thing I've been missing the most. And I've also added a preset that can generate a video suitable for scrubbing. So when we're in the weekly or when we try to review animations, you can just go frame by frame, forward and back. Would you have something like YouTube presets, Vimeo presets, VR presets? <laughs> really? Users uh, 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 would love this. I would love this. Come on. <laughs> well, if you if you can collect, like, just say yes. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, everyone can can extend presets uh, yeah. by, by themselves. So, uh, and, and, and then they just upload to the cloud, and then everyone can re- download them locally and all three things. There you go. Very cool. And uh, to finish, uh, Sergey, I don't know. Is the I think the biggest thing was the the motion tracking. Not the biggest. I want to make some more proud or. But, uh, yeah, no, the thing that, you're, that you are the most proud of, I guess, the motion tracking is quite... Yeah, probably, yeah, because it was done totally from scratch. It's, it's not like you're jumping into someone else's render engine and try to fix all the speed issues in there. <laughs> Any <laughs> reference to existing render engines is yes. purely coincidental. Yes, okay. so, so, <laughs> some render engines in slash intern slash... Something. Something. Yeah. <laughs> okay. But, yeah, so, so motion tracking probably is combination with masking, right? Masking was real fun to work on. It was real beneficial here in the studio back in the days. So, yeah. How about well, you, Francisco? Sorry. Yeah. yeah. Oh, no. oh, but how about you? What, you have been doing some coding here and there. Yeah, but I, I never did uh, anything. Thing. Yeah, yeah, but nothing Blender related. So it's... Uh, what about Flamenco? No. Well, one day when it will work, maybe I will be proud. But right now, <laughs> I'm happy that we managed to get through the projects with the, the, the duct taped uh, code that uh, we wrote. But uh, uh, I think uh, once... Yeah, exactly. I think the, the, the very nice thing about Blender and being a Blender developer is that if you manage to ship your code and have it there, you know it's being used by so many people and it helps so many people. And yeah. that's what makes the Blender project great. And that's what makes contributing to Blender itself. A great experience and uh that's uh that's, that, that's, that's one of the cool. things i did really like about working here yeah sometimes healthy is just cursing for days about a certain feature and it's like very small just make a thing a toggle instead of something else and it may take 10 minutes to program it but then he is so happy <laughs> and just that instant connection between the people making the software, at least here in the studio, mm. the, the developers making the software and the people using it, uh, that direction is so con- uh, so close that you see all these smiles and see happy people. So every studio which use Blender should hire some Blender developer. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Because being a Blender developer is fun. It is. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> okay, well, I think I, would ha- I could go on asking questions uh, forever, but uh, we have to wrap this up. So I'd like to thank you guys a lot for joining us in this Blender Institute podcast. Uh, if there are any questions for uh, the developers here, maybe write a comment, but uh, probably by the next time, not everyone is going to be around. We will do what we can to, to see if we can answer. And uh, until the next time. So bye-bye. Bye-bye. Bye. Bye. You've been listening to the Blender Institute podcast. Brought to you by the Blender Cloud. Is your Blender rotating the wrong way? Submit a bug report, but not on the cloud. Go to developer.blender.org.